last week finished up our study in Psalm 119 and unfortunately had technical difficulties, so we have no podcast. So you'll just have to share it with someone that wasn't there if they missed it. But we are out of Psalm 119, and in a few weeks, we're going to go, we're going to dive into the book of Hebrews, and we're going to go verse by verse through the entire book of Hebrews, and I'm excited about that. But before that, we decided that we'd spend a few weeks talking about um, something that I think most of us have heard to some extent, most of us have experienced or, or, or read about, or we've We've seen it in the scriptures, but maybe there's a little bit too much ambiguity to it, and we don't understand how it plays out in our life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few weeks hopefully trying to bring some clarity to the, to the kingdom of God is what we're going to talk about. We're going to look through the scriptures and figure out how the kingdom of God plays a role in our lives, and what does that mean for us to live in light of the kingdom of God, and what does it mean specifically for, for you and me as individuals, for us as a church, for us as families, and as a community. And so we're going we're gonna to spend the next few weeks looking at that and diving into it. My hope would be that as we see and try to define what the kingdom of God is specifically, that we would actually start to see it play a role in every aspect of our life. We would stop looking necessarily as if the kingdom of God was something that we, we had to think about every now and then, or it was too ambiguous. And so we'll just kind of be okay with it, but not really understand it, but instead would see that we actually, as those that are surrendered to God, are a part of his kingdom, and that is supposed to compel and change and live and do everything that we do comes out of that reality. And so that's what we're going to look at when it comes to the kingdom of God. Again, it is something that is incredibly ambiguous. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about it as a whole. We see a bunch about the kingdom of God um, all over in scriptures. In fact, four times in the book of Matthew, we see that 14 times in the book of Mark. 32 times in Luke, twice in the Gospel of John, six times in Acts, eight times in Paul's letters, and once in Revelation 12, um, 10. And then Matthew actually prefers the word, the term kingdom of heaven, which is synonymous with kingdom of God. There's no real difference there, and he uses that 20 times in the New Testament. So it is, it is riddling the New Testament with, with, with kingdom of God. It's not void of in the Old Testament. We see the kingdom of God taking place as a whole, specifically at the very beginning of the creation. We see where, where God has, has created Adam and Eve, and everything is perfect. And it's in that moment that they are living the kingdom of God, where God's reign, his rule, everything is in place, and Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, are living out the tangible kingdom of God. In fact, I don't think we can actually really, truly grasp our minds on this, but I don't know if we've ever thought about what it would mean to live life. If you could just, for, for just a moment, just live life with only one rule. All of the rules are gone. There's no other rules. There's no other, there's no other leadership telling you what has to happen. The only rule is just don't eat from this tree. In fact, most of us, we can't even fathom that because we have rules at, at home, you know, whether they're spoken or not spoken between our spouses. We have rules at, at work. We have rules with the government. We have rules across the board, rules and rules and rules that are intended to, to keep us safe and to protect us. And if they're broken, then to be punished. And so we, we, when we think about having only one rule, and the freedom that we would have in that. It's almost impossible for us to wrap our minds, our minds around. But that is what the kingdom of God looked like in the creation. That is what he's talking about, where, where God's rule is in place. And, and it is a joy to be underneath his reign, his power, his control, and to live with one guideline, one rule to stay a part of, and this is it. And, and that's what the kingdom of God is. And since the fall, as if you've ever read Genesis 3 on, we see the world clamoring again and fighting. In 2 second, in second Samuel and Samuel, we see um, the people claiming they want a new king. They want a king because they're afraid that they're not going to be taken care of because they're tired of losing the wars and being slaves to other people. And so we see these other kingdoms kind of rise up 
in place where when we know that ultimately before the fall, this is what it was supposed to look like. And my hope is, is as we study this, we'll see that, that this, this creation, this the way that this was supposed to be, is actually the way that we're supposed to live today. It's the way that we're supposed to desire and go for and shoot for, and that's, that's the lens at which we're going to live our life. And that's the reality of it. Um, there's a number of scriptures we're going to look at today, so I just have them for the screen for you instead of um, flipping through a bunch of pages. But Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is, this is the third kind of parable statement of, of the kingdom of God, and he, he says the kingdom of heaven, and this is, this is the third one, and he says this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And this is, a, this is a parable, so we're not looking that the kingdom is something we've got to start saving for so that we can buy the field to have it. That's just the parable example. But the point is here, the point is, 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 is two massive things that we gain understanding about the kingdom of God here. First off, is it's so valuable. It's so valuable that, that we literally will abandon absolutely everything else for And in doing that, it's not like, oh, I have to give up this and this and this. Instead, it's a joy. It's a joy to purge ourselves of anything that isn't that. And so we see that the kingdom of God is, is the kingdom of heaven as Jesus teaches. It's predominantly what he teaches about in the New Testament, in the Gospels. We see that there's, there's something about this that should be at the forefront of our minds. It's something about this that should be what we actually have. This is the lens that we look through. This is how we live out our life. This is how we parent and, and work and make choices and serve and, and do missions. This, this is literally how we're supposed to live. And we see that the value of this from Jesus' mouth is that it's so great. It's going to cost you absolutely nothing to get, but at the same time, it's going to cost you absolutely everything. You can't purchase it. But the only way to really be a part of this kingdom is to rid yourself of everything else. For us in our, our modern day, kingdom isn't necessarily something that we think about. But, but again, kingdom always had this depiction of this realm, this space that this was in. These are the people. And then there was the ruler, the king. And, and the, the thought of, of undermining the king was not really acceptable. And if it was a good king, most people would want to do and honor that king. And so we have this, this worldly picture of kingdom that we've seen all these kingdoms kind of come. The United Kingdoms is an example that we have for kingdoms. The British are the people of the United Kingdom. Well, at some point, the United States came out of the United Kingdoms because they were against that kingdom. And so you can see all these kingdoms rising and going. And, and, and ultimately, what ends up happening is that if we start looking at the lens of the kingdom of God through the lens of our most basic understanding, we're going to miss a huge aspect of what it is. And so what I'm going to try to do, as difficult as it is, I'm going to try and give us a, a basic definition of the kingdom of God today, and then we'll see how this plays out on an individual level as a family, as a church, as a community, and what it means for our future over the next few weeks before we jump in to the book of Hebrews. And so we see that Jesus says that the kingdom of God is so valuable, you'll literally, joyfully throw away absolutely everything else you have. You'll give away everything so that you can have this. And Jesus predominantly speaks about the kingdom of heaven in two fronts. The kingdom is here and the kingdom in the future. And so we see these kind of, these big things of, well, what's this, this here but not yet thing? And that's what we're going to try and work through. Um, the, to, the basic definition that I think most scholars have come to is kind of, this is, a, this is a working of a number of different people. The basic definition that I want to have for kingdom, kingdom of God, is basically the redemptive reign of God. 
Okay, the kingdom of God is the redemptive reign of God. And so I understand in that we may need to define a few more words, um, but, but I, we'll, we'll define redemption. First off, Isaiah 65, 17 talks about this redemption. It says, for behold, I create new heavens. God's being, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. And basically what God's saying is, I'm going to make everything right again. Redemption brings about a, a, a uprighting, a bringing what was turned upside down and making it back to the way that it was intended to be, my original plan. And so redemption also, redemption mostly means uh, free from bondage. It often involves the paying of a ransom, a price that makes redemption possible. We see it all over in the scriptures. The Israelites were redeemed from Egypt. We were redeemed from the power of sin and the curse of law, Galatians 3, 13, through Jesus, Romans 3, 24. We were bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Essentially, we see that redemption is something that, that, that takes something from a, a, a terrible or not right spot and redeems it to what it actually is meant to be, freed and beautiful and perfect. And that's what God is, is doing. So when we say that the kingdom of God is the redemptive reign of God, it means that, that God's kingdom is about redeeming, but ultimately it's his reign. One of the misconceptions, I think, when we think of the kingdom of God is that we believe that the kingdom of God is a realm, a place, or a people. Really, when we look at scriptures over and over and over again, we see that, that really the kingdom of God is, is, is his, it's his reign. Now, in reigning, in ruling, he creates a people and a place. But it's, it's, it's the power. We see in, in Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The basic, um, the basic meaning of the word kingdom is rule. It means that God's reign and rule governs all all things. So this isn't a question as to whether or not God is in charge of it. He is. But when it comes to his kingdom, it's where he rules. And this is where redemption comes in. So his kingdom is where everything is done according to his rule. Everything is done according to his place. And so that's why we can see aspects of the kingdom today, because we can see his redemptive work in, our, in ourselves we can also wrestle with the fact like, man, he's redeemed me. I know I'm, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, but yet I still see this area that just is in drastic need of his redemption. So we can also see this struggle in this world where we can see moments like, man, that was, that, was, that was the most amazing, beautiful, incredible thing I've ever seen. And we can worship God for what he's done. And at the same time, we can see that was the most horrific and gross and dark thing I've ever experienced. Because his kingdom isn't complete. It isn't finished. It isn't entirely here. That's the, the future kingdom that Jesus talks about. When he comes a second time and he fully establishes everything. And if you think about it, that's what we're going for. That's, that's, that's the joy of our heart. It's not, it's not to, to see some aspects of redemption here in our lives. It's that we desire ultimately for God's reign to rule everything because without that, we're lost and it's broken and it's a mess. And we'll continue to weep for the darkness and the brokenness of lives around us. And so when we think of God's reign and rule and his kingdom, we're not talking about the kingdom of God and aspects of redemption that happen. We're talking about, God, we want ultimate redemption. It's why Jesus, when teaching his disciples how to pray, now listen, whenever Jesus teaches anyone in the scriptures to do something, it's a really good time for us to pay really close attention. And Jesus begins his prayer. He said, hey, if you want to pray, this is Matthew 6, 9. 9 through 10, it says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Honor 
be your name. My Father who is in heaven, may all honor and reverence be to your name alone. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you have that memorized. You said that over and over and over again, but we don't find ourselves actually pleading for the Lord like Jesus calls us to plead. God, bring her kingdom here because I am tired of living in a part of this, this America and this, this citizenship that happens around here where I just see broken, brokenness and, and all kinds of heartache. I want your kingdom, God. I want your rule. I want to see you come in where every single person recognizes you as king, as reigning governance over all. And then in that, we submit ourselves to live as a part of your kingdom. But see, for most of us, we, we struggle to think about what it would be like to be Adam or Eve. What would it truly be like to wake up and not actually desire to disobey God? What would it be to wake up and actually not walk where we have to continue to battle areas that need redemption in ourselves? What would, what would it be like? This is, that is God's kingdom. It's the joyful submission to his rule. It's being able to say that we finally recognize, and most of us will say this here, but we don't do it practically. We finally recognize and our lives align with the fact that we really believe God's ways are truly the best way. And we're tired of trying to do it on our own or go around him or look another way. So the kingdom of God itself is, is ultimately his reign. It's his rule. It's where he, he is in charge. It's where his will is being done. And it's a redemptive Rule. One scholar says it this way. He says, in and through Jesus, God the King is coming in a new way into the world to establish his saving rule. First in the hearts of his people and in their relationships by triumphing over sin, Satan, and death. Then by, by the exercise of his reign, his rule, gathering a people for himself in congregations that live as citizens of a new allegiance of the kingdom, not of this world. Then Christ comes a second time and completes the reign by establishing new heavens and new earth. Why, why is, is Jesus pleading with us to pray for the, his kingdom to come? Because he sees what it means to live inside of the new heavens and new earth. Where we don't wake up and have to look at the news and see all the brokenness. We no longer have to worry if when someone says something to us, if they're actually meaning what they say. We don't have to worry about being alone battling depression. The kingdom of God, is, is, it should be at the forefront of what we do and who we are. It should be the first thing in our minds. But see, the reality is this. For most of us, we like aspects of the kingdom, but we don't really want to bring ourselves fully into it. And let me explain. There is so much rhetoric, so much so much dissension going on by just good causes. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a discussion around race, and there's a discussion around gender, and there's a discussion around this political, and this, and this, and this. And what we see is we see all of these conversations happening, and we see well-meaning believers of God that step up and say, this is not right. I must step into the void here, and I must be the light of Jesus in this. But then what happens is we start doing it on our own and we start looking at other believers as if they're not doing it, they must not know Jesus. And what we've done as a church is we've caused more division as if the church needed any more reasons to divide. 
around social justice, around parenting, around what we do as, as, as discipline or not discipline or how we, how we operate. And we've just, we've made these causes, made these excitements, these, these passions, and we've turned them into, I'm now living in the kingdom of God. Well, here, here's the danger in that. I, last year when I was at the grocery store, this happens every year around grocery store time, around Christmas, everyone's kind of feeling, everyone's kind of feeling, um, you know, generous or whatever. And so they, the, the, the checkout lady, the, the lady that was checking me out, she, um, she looked at me and I was, it was brilliant. I did cave, by the way, and I totally gave her what she asked because I was like, man, it's just, you can't, I love a good sales pitch. But anyways, she said to me, she said to me, she's like, hey, um, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. She's like, would you like to give a dollar so that some child doesn't have to, eat, or gets to eat dinner tonight? And I was like, oh, I mean, how do you say no to that? Like, right? Like, I, if I say no to that, I'm heartless. Like, what's wrong with me? And so I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, here, I, mean how, I can't say no to that. She's like, no, you can't. I'm like, okay, well, here you go. But here's the problem. At the end of the day, like, as, as a believer in Jesus, I should want to see every child have a meal. I should want that. That should be something that I'm called to. I can even find scripture that Jesus says, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. I can see a command in scripture for me as a follower of Jesus to meet those needs, but never under compulsion and guilt. Never under compulsion and guilt. Never under a way of divisiveness. Who gets the glory if I give that dollar? I do. I'm not saying you can't give the dollar. But when we see a kingdom perspective, when we look at it through a kingdom, we realize that we engage in these things not so that we can get rid of slavery or hunger because in all honesty, we won't. But we see an opportunity to remove hunger or slavery for one. We see an opportunity to bring redemption about in one person, but never, ever, ever for guilt or compulsion or as an excuse to see yourself as high and mighty. It should be an act of worship. When I give that dollar to that checkout lady, it shouldn't be out of compulsion of, oh man, I really feel bad if I say no. That should be God, I worship you with my life because this is an aspect of your kingdom. Your kingdom work. It's just a small window. But the problem for all of us is that we don't make that a small window. We make that the thing. And here's the, here's the reality, guys. If we allow those things to be the thing, the problem is, is that when the kingdom finally comes, those things go away. They're gone. You know what's left when the kingdom comes? Authority, submission, community, and worship. That's it. That's it. We don't have to worry about causes anymore. Those causes again. And now, I'm not making this as a plea to just disengage. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, how dare we engage in a way that's not worshipful? How dare we engage in a way that's not asking the Lord if it's his will for our life? How dare we engage in a way that causes division amongst believers? The kingdom of God is one ruler. Not you or me. We don't get to be on that throne. It's God. It's his rule. It's his commands. And we get to joyfully submit ourselves to that. So when we see the kingdom of God in our lives, we see everything drastically different. Again, I believe, like, Revelation talks that every nation and tribe will be there. So I think race is a real thing that we need to engage in, but but. But if we make it the thing, guys, we're, we're, we're narrowing in the kingdom of God. If it's not a form of worship, if it's not a form of submission to God, if you're just trying to use these things as an excuse to make yourself feel better, it's not worship. You're just checking a box. It's about yourself. I, I wrote it down this way. You can, you can do redemptive work being a part of the kingdom or, or not be, without being a part of the kingdom. You can... 
And we see this. We see lots of people that do a lot of amazing, redemptive work things. But here, let me hear me on this. You cannot, you cannot be a part of the kingdom without doing redemptive work. You, they don't go without. But when I'm not a part of the kingdom and I'm doing redemptive work, it's for my own gain. And like, you can argue, well, no, they're just good people. No, look, look at the reality of it is, because of the fall, because of our domain in which we are living, apart from Christ, no one's good. There is no good apart from him. We, we have to reclaim that word. Good should only be a part of the kingdom. And the great news is, the redemption comes through Jesus Christ. And so we get to be in this middle spot where I am now redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, still wrestling with areas that I really need his redemption to, to take control over. We'll talk more about that next week. But, but I am now redeemed because of what he's done for me. And, and because of what he's done for me, now he is, he is reigning king over my life. He is my authority. And I submit myself to that imperfectly at times, but I rest in his grace. And then I have a community of people that I get to do this with. Take a look around. If you find yourself hating another believer, there's an issue. If you find yourself willingly giving yourself to something, like I'm going to be the best parent. My kids are going to know that there is nothing better than me as a father. You're, you're at risk. You're at risk of making that the kingdom, and it's not. It's an aspect. It's a small part. There are commands for you as a parent, but it can't be the thing. If you find yourself giving yourself to aspects of the kingdom while blatantly disregarding Scripture in your life, there's an issue, guys. Because at the end of the day, we'll never really fully understand what it means to live with only one rule. We really won't. But we will. We will as... Jesus comes again, we will fully submit and he will be reigning king of our lives and we will experience that in a new heaven and a new earth. And I tell you right now, let me say this as clearly as possible, we should be pleading for that to happen. If we think about the kingdom of heaven and we think about God's coming again and we think about that, what that really means for our lives and we're like, man, I can't wait for that. But God, can you just wait until I get married because I really want to get married. You know, I can't wait for that. But God, I, I really want to see my kids grow up. I want to see them get married. So can you, just, can you just hold out on that moment? We're at risk of making something more important than the kingdom of heaven. And dare I say, we have already submitted ourselves to another king. And so the redemptive work of Jesus Christ is what we get to be a part of. But it's under the kingdom, the rule of, of, of God. And so here's, here's what we see. Here are aspects of what we can see in the kingdom. These are, these are four things that will always happen. You will always see authority and submission in God's kingdom. Those are, those are present. Those don't go away. When Jesus shows up, it's not like he goes, sweet, no authority, have fun. No, he's coming as the reigning king, okay? So if you struggle with authority right now, you're going to really struggle the kingdom of God. Oh, I don't just struggle with authority. My boss is just a jerk. Okay, well, that's, that's an issue on you, Okay? You can't compartmentalize those. You know what else you'll see in that authority? is submission. And the Apostle Paul, we talked about this in Ephesians, submit to one another out of what? Out of reverence, out of fear and awe of how big 
God is, submit to one another. If you can't submit to one another, you're not kingdom focused. If you find yourself getting up in arms and find that, dare I say, character of God in you welling up because of justice or, or wanting to see something right or good happen because you see the, in, the, the, the injustice happening in someone's life and so you start finding yourself giving to, these, to, to sex trafficking and to any of these things. If you find yourself doing those things, praise God, but do it out of worship to Him. <laughs> do it out of worship. If it's not worship, you know what? The danger is you're doing it for yourself. You're just trying to play the game of how many good things can I do to amend for these bad things or you're playing the game of I just really need to feel significant or feel like my life has some kind of value or purpose. You, you as a child of God have purpose. He says play a part in my redemptive reign. Play a part. Be the light. Be the salt. My worship is there. And, and again, take a look around because if they're co-heirs with Christ with you, you're going to see them for a long time and so if you find yourself distancing from community because you're afraid of being hurt because you find yourself you just don't see value and it's just too hard people are just too needy whatever your excuse is that's present in the kingdom of god community is, is present in the kingdom it was present at the beginning jesus is about making it the way it's supposed to be again and that's present and so we have to be able to look at these things. Everything we're doing, we have to be able to look at these things and see the value of the kingdom. And then when we see the value of the kingdom, that it is this treasure, that everything is worth getting rid of, that we want it to show up today because, man, I'm tired of this broken world. I'm tired of the brokenness in my own self. When we, when we look at that, it starts overlaying everything else we do. And then we start parenting and preaching and serving and getting all passionate about whatever cause it may be with a kingdom perspective in place. Well, we realize it doesn't matter what our political system does here. I'm not a citizen of this. I'm a citizen of the Most High God. Yes, I can engage. Yeah, I can bring about the truth of God's word and how that plays in, but it's not my main point. My main point is the kingdom of God where he reigns, where his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. As we, as we dive into this study of the kingdom of God, my hope, my hope for you guys is that your perspective changes. Maybe for some of you it's just a renewed perspective. Maybe it's just a reminder of, man, I've, I've lost track. I have made my vocation, my degree, my choices. I've made everything my, 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 and I have forgotten that I'm a part of a kingdom that God has made through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has brought about redemptive reign in my life through what Jesus Christ has done, and now he's invited me to be a part of that. What an honor. Work hard. Get passionate. Get excited, but stop doing it without kingdom perspective. Allow the kingdom to really affect us in a way where we start looking at things going, man, I, I don't want my life to be about a cause because when the cause goes away, I'm kind of left without something. You can't make your life about being a great parent because when you're no longer a parent anymore, you, you've been left with nothing. But if you make your life about the kingdom of God, you find all of a sudden that his authority and, his, and submitting to that and worshiping him is way more than just singing some songs or giving money. You realize that your entire life is about worshiping him 
the, the reason you're breathing right now is enough cause to worship him. The reason everything hasn't fallen apart on the molecular level is due worship him. Like everything is due worship him. And so when we zoom out a little bit and we see, oh, there's a, there's a kingdom that I'm a part of, so that when this rhetoric and this stuff happens, you're like, I can, I can come at it from the lens of, all right, God, as, as a part of your kingdom, how do I engage in this? Where you will get the glory. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, just in case you guys are wondering, that really means whatever you do, okay? Like, there's not like some hidden meaning behind that. Whatever you do is like, whatever you do. So, so when you're putting your shoes on in the morning, okay, when you're, when you're serving the Lord, when you're, when you're having a conversation with your husband or your wife, when you're serving in kids' ministry, when you're coming to church, when you're paying your bills, when you're going to work, when you're doing your class, when you're going to counseling, whatever you do, whatever you do, you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If nothing else, that should just be a reason for us to be a lot more thankful and a lot less of a complainer. But the reality is, is God has invited us into His kingdom. Those of you that, that have submitted your life to Jesus Christ, He has, he has shown you what redemption can look like in yourself. You can see in yourself, wow, I was capable in this way, and look what his redemption is. I cannot believe that. That is a really exciting thing to see his work like that. And he says, hey, I want you to be the light and the salt in this world. I want you to be that way. Now, I, I feel like I need to say this. For those of you that, that, that believe the redemption's happened, but there's no redemptive aspect of your life, maybe you haven't really submitted yourself. Maybe you haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ. You like the idea of him. You've been in close proximity, maybe some of you for decades. But you've never really fully submitted yourself. You've never said, all right, Lord, I'm about your authority. I'm gonna submit and I need your help to submit because man, I just want to not submit at times and I want everything I do to be about worshiping you around and with the community people that you've, you've allowed me to be a part of. Man, I don't, I'm not just stuck with who I was born with, but you've given me a lot more brothers and sisters. Amen, for some of us, right? Like, ooh. But he's, he's brought about redemption, and he's bringing about redemption. The band's gonna come up, and we're gonna sing and worship with our voices, but I, I hope it doesn't stop there. I hope as, as we dig into what the kingdom of God is, I, I hope that your, your lives are, are transformed in a way that you can't explain because it's not your doing. I hope that you find yourself aligning yourself more, not, not disengaging from what maybe God has made you passionate, but letting God redeem what you're passionate about for his worship. Let it, let it, let it be about worshiping him. What's well, no longer done in your own strength. It's no longer done to make you feel good about yourself. Instead, all you do and find is, man, I just want glory to God alone be brought. Nothing else but to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for not only inviting us into a kingdom, but making a way to be a part of your kingdom, Lord. God, I, I plead with you. I pray, I pray right now. Um, I pray that, that, that your name would be honored above all names, God. I pray that we would not allow our husband or our wife or our kids or our jobs or anything to be honored even close to you, God. Not a distant, nothing a distant second at all, God. I pray that your name is honored. And Lord, I pray, I pray for your kingdom to come. Man, we... 
man, I, I would rather spend an entire eternity saying holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty than experience all the good things that your grace are allowing me to experience on this world at this time. I'd rather be in your presence, God. So I pray your kingdom come. I pray your will be done in our lives, in, 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 our, in our jobs, in our church. And I pray, God, that your kingdom would be present here on earth just like it is in heaven, God. And I pray for redemption. I pray for the redemption of all things. God, forgive us for at times finding um, more value in other kingdoms, in our present kingdoms, whether it's our home life or our country or our job or our our relationships, God. Forgive us for, for making those kingdoms where we can sit on the throne of our life, God, and I pray that you just squash all of those and allow you to be at the rightful seat on the throne. God, for those of us that, that continue to wrestle with submission, God, I pray that you would just wreak havoc on our hearts. Be relentless in pursuing us. Bring us to a spot where the, our only reaction and response is humility. Crush our prideful spirits, Lord. And God, for, for us, when we, when we continue to allow your authority to not be first in our lives, God, would you uh, just diminish the voices and the wisdom that we find from anything else and allow you and you alone to be our authority. And Father, would you help us, despite our inadequacies, our, our past hurts, our struggles, to find value in community, to find value in being a part of this kingdom with other people? God, would you uh, help us do one further than just finding value, but would you help us to push in, to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be real, despite how we may be hurt. We trust you in that, Lord. And ultimately, God, may we not do another thing. God, may we not wake up tomorrow without thinking about how today can we worship you through every single aspect of what you allow us to be a part of. May it transform our families. May it transform us individually. May it transform your world as people see people fully committed to not this world, not as citizens of this world, but as citizens in heaven under your kingdom, Father. We praise you for what you're doing. We praise you for the work you've already begun. We praise you for the ways in which we've seen your kingdom. And God, we just pray for more and more of your kingdom. Bring it, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.